This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. We are in a series entitled, It's Complicated. We are covering five principles from Genesis 1, 2, and 3 to simplify and strengthen every relationship in our life. I want to thank some of our team members for being here today, and I want to thank you for joining online as well. Last week, uh, we covered uh, the, the wonderful truth that our values are the foundation for every relationship. So whatever our values are, what our character is, that's the key to building our relationships. Now, I think it's interesting that we're studying relationships during a time that, that we're supposed to be social distancing. Uh, and I, I don't think that that's an accident or a mistake, uh, because I believe that even though we are separated as a society, we can still grow together in our walk with God. We can grow closer uh, to God in every way. Uh, I, I believe that this is, uh, this is going to come and go, but already uh, the coronavirus has been uh, something that will always be a part of our history. Um, it, it has uh, already claimed the title of, of, of one of the world's largest pandemics. Um, but it is not the end of our story. And, and I want to just remind you um, that, that God is not the author of confusion. He is not the source of fear. And I, I, you know, you see paintings like the Mona Lisa with a little, uh, a little uh, uh, thing over her face, a little mask over her face, and, and, uh, and people are, are so afraid of what's going to happen. And, and uh, it's even dipped its uh, toe into every aspect of our society. Uh, but the reality is that our values must be based on what God says, not based on what we see. So what we see is mass panic. <clears throat> but what God says is, <clears throat> I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me in every area of life. And so I'd encourage you to take an opportunity, take this opportunity. Uh, if you're off work because you're a teacher or something, uh, take this opportunity to spend more time with God. Uh, take a moment to connect uh, with those who you can connect with. Uh, we have, uh, a, you know, a dozen people in our home uh, today. I'm glad that we can connect uh, with them. And so connect with who God has placed around you. Today, we're going to talk about the second principle, and that's commitment. Uh, that is commitment. And uh, we're, we're studying Genesis 2, 8 through 17, and uh, we'll get there in a minute. But I want to remind you that God's uh, commitment to us is unwavering. He is faithful. But our commitment is God's way for him to connect with us and us to connect with him in relationship. By the way, commitment is our way to connect with anyone in a relationship. If you're going to connect in a relationship, you have to make a commitment. And uh, our culture has commitment issues. Would you guys agree with that? Okay. Our, our culture has commitment issues. But God says, I want you to not be afraid of commitment. I want you to engage commitment. So how do we do this? Well, today I want to talk about three parts to relational commitment. Three parts to relational commitment. And first I want to talk about the blessings of commitment. Uh, the blessings. <clears throat> and uh, one of the huge blessings uh, of commitment uh, is, is the fact that I'm going to take a drink here. Uh, by the way, one of the blessings is coffee, okay? 
I don't know if that's going to help my throat or not, but it is a blessing. And, uh, and, and God has given us all blessings, all things to enjoy and, and to enjoy him in as well. Um, but, but the two blessings of commitment are contentment and fulfillment. Contentment and fulfillment. Um, we're also going to look at the design, the design of commitment. God designed commitment to give us both well-being and also worth. You know, all of us in this room and all of you at home, you were designed to have significance, meaning, worth in Christ. And you were designed to have well-being in God. And so those are things we receive from him. Those are not things we achieve in our own selves. Those are things we receive. Um, I I liken it to uh, a block of wood. And uh, if I were to rub this block of wood up and down my arm, uh, there would be a lot of splinters in my arm uh, that would last for a while. It would be very painful. I'm not going to do that this morning, okay? But I will tell you something about God's design. If we go against the grain of it, it will, it will cause lots of pain in our lives. So God's design for commitment, we can't go against the grain of it. We have to connect with others through commitment, and we have to connect to God through our commitment to him. You see, he's connected to us through his commitment to us. And so that's the design. Then we're going to look at trust. Now, it's hard to know what to trust or who to trust because uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Uh, Some of you have seen some of the misinformation. Uh, I got a a few texts yesterday uh, saying some things to do if you think you might have the coronavirus. Um, uh, Certain things you don't want to do are uh, send a stool sample to the governor's office. Don't do that, please. Um, That is misinformation. Uh, Other misinformation I was sent this last week was um, the fact that if you rub Chick-fil-A sauce over the top of the post of your door, in the sides of the post of your door, that you will um, not have the coronavirus. That is misinformation as well. It might mirror some biblical stories of the Passover, but it's not, it's not good information. Um, good food, good sauce, not good information. So there's certain things that we need to trust, and, and, and our trust is what enables our love and relationship with God. So let's go over these, um, these three parts to relational <clears throat> commitment. First is the blessings. The blessings of commitment. Uh, now, you might be sitting at home saying, um, there's only pain in commitment. There's only, uh, you know, drudgery <clears throat> in commitment. But let me just tell you that there are some blessings. There are some blessings in commitment. Um, now, believe it or not, uh, even though the store shelves are somewhat uh, dry and, and barren and, and there are some things going on in this world that might cause fear, uh, I just want to remind you that you are blessed. You might be sitting in a hospital room, and just because you have air in your lungs, friend, you are blessed. Let's say that together. At home and here, I am blessed. blessed. Say that again. I am blessed. blessed. That's something we need to remind ourselves. And let me remind you from Scripture in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 27, that God created man in his own image. And in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them, And God blessed them. Say the word blessed. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Do you realize that the first words man heard God say was a blessing? The very first thing that that God said to man after he made man was a blessing. And, and you know, let me just remind you that that we we are always confronted with the curse to the point that we forget God's blessing. And, and so I just believe that it's important for us to remember God's blessing. 
uh, the media will, will do everything it can to remind us of the curse. How many of you have seen that? I mean, uh, we have seen unprecedented numbers from the media. Um, the media coverage of the coronavirus is the most of any uh, topic or anything uh, that the world has ever seen. In fact, 1.9 billion mentions uh, of, of the coronavirus in the media the last couple months. On Wednesday alone, there were 20 million mentions on Wednesday alone of the coronavirus. So that's all we're hearing. But let me just say something else that's not on the media. You're blessed. God has blessed you. And, and Satan is going to do everything he can to elevate your burden so that you will ignore your blessing. And so we have to come to grips with the blessing that God has given us. And we have to then commit ourselves. And, and, and let me remind you of something that happened in the garden. The Garden of Eden was a place of contentment. Before sin, before the fall, the Garden of Eden was a place of contentment. Now, contentment is, a, is, is something that God provides. And in verse number 8 of chapter 2 of Genesis, it says the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put man whom he had formed. Let me remind you, as we talked about last week, that God formed you. That, that, that God was the one that created you. That he loves you. And, and I want to remind you that he puts you wherever you are. Wherever you're sitting right now, he placed you there. He created you. The word put, when it says that he put man in the garden, is the word yasim. And it means to place on purpose. Uh, the word Eden is a place of pleasure, safety, and plenty. God has given you plenty to, to grow. He has given you purpose to know why you're here. He has given you safety. You say, are you sure about that? Listen, you can trust God. His track wet record is perfect. I mean, he has not let us down one time. You can trust God. You can have contentment knowing that everything he's given you is enough. Here's a key thought for you, that God's blessing of contentment is placed within those willing to accept God's definition of plenty. See, my definition of plenty is, God, you haven't given me enough. God's definition of plenty is, what I have given you is enough for right now. Now, you might say, but I only have one roll of toilet paper left. Let me encourage you, pray, stand in line at the store if you need to, okay? Um, but, but let me just tell you something. Spiritually, God has plenty of encouragement, plenty of hope, plenty of faith. Listen, don't, don't lose hope. Don't be in despair today uh, in <clears throat> other countries. In fact, I have some pictures from Australia, uh, some people stocking up out of fear, uh, some, some people uh, hoarding all the toilet paper. Of course, that would not ha happen in our country, only in Australia. Uh, but, but this is a man in Australia stocking up because of the coronavirus. There's a lot of fear out there. But when we have the contentment to know, God, is, God has gotten me this far. God has a perfect track record. I'm going to trust him. Uh, we can understand the blessing of commitment. But the Garden of Eden was not just a place of plenty and a place of contentment. It was a place of fulfillment, a place of fulfillment. See, verse number nine says that out of the ground, the Lord God grew every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. You might say, I don't know if I'm going to have enough food, okay, uh, to, to, to last me. Uh, let me tell you, if you're running out of food, and this is not a joke, please call me. Please call our church. We want to be a help. There are community leaders coming together this next week. We want to help you uh, if you need food, if you need essentials. We will even try to share some of our paper products with you. But I will tell you something, that what God wants you to know is that your fulfillment 
is not based on the fullness of your cabinet, but based on the fullness of your soul. That when we, com- we, we commit to God uh, and his goodness, we understand what he designed the world to be. You see, God did not desire, design or desire a COVID-19 filled world. He desired a world filled with the way that he designed the world to be. Let's look at this verse. The word pleasant, pleasant to the sight. It's the word kamad. It means to be desired, to take pleasure in, to have great delight. Uh, when it says good for food, it's the word tab. It means pleasant or beautiful, beneficial or favorable. It means what is best. You know, God knows what's best for you. You know, God knows what's best for me. And that even in trials, God knows what we need. You know, God is working your need before you even know you need it. And before God had ever uh, given instructions to Adam and Eve for what to do in the garden, he placed things in the garden for them. In fact, verses 10 through verse number uh, 14, it gives four rivers that he gave to them. Uh, rivers are, are like the Tigris River and the Euphrates River, um, which are located in the Middle East even presently today. God placed those there uh, to give boundaries and to give growth. God wants you to grow during this time. Uh, God gave them uh, some jewels, uh, some things for them to use. But he gave them gold, which represented royalty and beauty. He gave them uh, bedlam, uh, which represent, re- represented health and safety. He, he gave them onyx stone, uh, which represented uh, creating and carving. God gave them everything they needed to grow and to sustain their spiritual walk. And let me just encourage you with this key thought, that God gives what is needed for our growth if we're willing to be fulfilled in him. If we're willing to be fulfilled in him, he will grow us. And so the blessings of commitment are contentment and fulfillment. But the design of commitment, remember the wood going against the grain? We don't want to go against the grain. And so God has designed us to be committed to him, committed to others. So what's the design? Uh, Well, the design is found in verse number 15, uh, that God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And uh, God designed us to reflect his worth. God designed us to dress uh, things. Now, not just getting dressed, okay? The word dress is abad. It, it means to work it, to cultivate it, to serve it, to accomplish formation. You know, every person in, in this room and, and even you at home, um, you have been designed to create things, to form things. And so God wants us to, to form. Why? Because he's a ruler He is a creator, and in the little c creation, he wants us to be creating, taking things out of disorder and placing them in order. Now, I have two boys, and man, they can take things and make disorder quickly. Why? Because that's our natural bent since the fall. God wants us to reflect his worth by making things better and and making things more organized in this world. And so we are God's crowning creation because we reflect his image. Let me remind all of you at home that God made the garden for man to form it, to work it, to accomplish it. He did not make man for the garden. He did not want man to worship creation. He wanted man to worship a God who is worthy of worship. And so uh, one of the fruit in the garden was the pomegranate. And it has a crown. It's one of the only fruits that has, has, has something symbolic in it that I have found. It has a crown. And, and I believe this is a reminder to all of us that God has created us for a purpose. And he wants us to reflect his wonder, 
his glory, his image. You see, we, we are in a desolate world filled with sorrow, filled with disease, but God wants us to grow. How do we do that? Well, here's the key thought. God did not design us to work for our worth. He made us to reflect his worth in our work. Let me say that again. God did not design us to work for our worth, but he wanted us to reflect his worth. You see, we are not worth something because of our work. We work because he is worth something. He is worth our work, and we should reflect that in everything we do. If you wake up tomorrow and you go to Lockheed or Northrop or, or you commute down uh, to L.A. or San Fernando Valley somewhere, let me encourage you that God is wanting you to reflect his image, his worth in your workplace. Man <clears throat> goes <clears throat> in this story from forming God's creation to fighting with it. And instead of protecting God's garden, God's garden now has to be protected from man. And, and he, he's placed out of the garden. And so God's design is for us to reflect his worth. But God's design is also for us to trust him with our well-being. And there's lots of people out there um, that need to trust God, including myself. I, I need to trust God with my well-being. There are a lot of what-if questions in this day. But we need to trust God. As, as God told them to keep it, it was to preserve it, to protect it, to secure the garden, to see the continuation of it. And so our society is practicing social distancing and trying to mitigate uh, the spread of this virus. What are we trying to do? We're trying to protect the world. Um, and, and we're trying to, to sh- show that we are, we are being stewards, wise stewards. But when they chose not to, to work the garden and protect the garden, God, in Genesis 3.23, exiled them from the garden. God said, if I can't trust you with it, I have to remove you from it. Now, Camden, when he was one, uh, he, he loved to be held. In fact, he had trouble sleeping if he was not rocking or, or being held. And one of the things he would say is he would say, Dad, Dad, hold you. Now, he wanted me to hold him. Uh, he did not want to hold me, but he said, Dad, hold you, hold you. He wanted to be held. Can I just remind you? Everyone within the sound of my voice, everyone who can see me right now, let me just remind you of this key thought, that we must derive our significance, our worth, from the heart of God. And we must derive our security, our well-being, in the arms of God. God is reaching out to you right now through my voice and through his word. And he is saying, I want to hold you. I want to wrap my arms around you. I love you. I'm going to protect you. And even if you get the coronavirus, and this is not a joke, God will take care of you. He can make all things work out for good. And God can take something that man thought for evil, that sin brought into the world as evil, and God can make it good. And so there's some blessings of commitment. There's a design of commitment. And then finally, as we wrap up today, there is trust of com- in commitment, the trust of commitment. Now, love is a curious thing, but it's a wonderful thing. And love is established by trust. You cannot have trust without love. And you cannot have love without trust. They go hand in hand. And so love is established by trust. In verse number 9, God says, I'm going to trust you with something. I want you to look at this verse. Verse number 9, he says that, that all of these trees are good for food, 
Uh, but, but I want you to notice that in this verse, he says something interesting. He says, the tree of life, life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, this is the first time evil has ever been mentioned. Why does God mention something that he does not want mankind to imbibe, uh, to take part in? And now, if I were to say something to Chandler, who's in the room here, uh, Chandler, you, you cannot do, you cannot look in that drawer. You cannot look at that, you know, thing over there. What's, he, what's the first thing he's going to do? He's going to want to go look at it. So, so it almost seems to you at home a little bit cruel for God to say, yeah, that one tree that looks really good, I don't want you to touch it. I don't want you to eat of it. What God was saying is, there's one thing I want. I want love. And you cannot have love without trust. And so I'm trusting you with this tree. I am trusting you with this. And I'm asking you to trust me with what that tree does. I'm asking you to trust me with what evil is. They did not know what evil was. He said, I'm asking you to trust me with this. Now, the word knowledge here is curiously close and strangely close to the word death. It's the, word, it's the Hebrew word dayath. And it literally means the ability to discern or have insight the level of concern based on the level of understanding, and it means the awareness of truth. I just want you to know that God's seeing the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end, and he sees the moment that we're in right now, and he just says, I know you can't see it. I know you don't understand it, but would you just trust me with this trial? Would you just trust me with what's happening in the world right now? Because he has all the knowledge, and we have such a limited uh, perspective in our lives today, the word evil, the word that he used, that he said that he didn't want them, uh, he wanted this just to trust them with, it's the source of everything bad. It's the eternal, the internal defect of selfishness, uh, the misfortune of selfishness, uh, the unpleasant outcome of displeasure and distress. Uh, let me just say um, that, that God is wanting us to trust him, and, and I'm sure Adam asked the question, but why can't we just have it if it's good? Why can't we just know what evil is by taking the fruit? And God said, could you just trust me? Could you just commit to trusting me with this one thing? That's the choice we have today. The choice we have today is to commit to God our trust or to commit our trust to ourselves. Are you going to trust yourself? Are you going to trust what you see? Or are you going to trust what God says? You see, here's a key thought for you, that God expressed his love by giving us a choice. And we can express our love by committing to use that choice for him. Friend, if you're on uh, uh, the call or if you're online somewhere watching and you have never committed your life to Jesus Christ and you have not committed your life into his hands, you have not committed your eternity into his hands, you are trying to take matters into your own hands for the salvation of your soul, uh, for the forgiveness of your sin, let me encourage you with something, that God loves you enough to give you a choice. In fact, he sent his son to die so that you would have the choice to have eternal life. That sin that entered into the world the moment Adam and Eve took the fruit, let me encourage you that that was not the end of the story, that God gave another choice, and that choice is for you to receive Jesus as your Savior, friend. If you would like to do that, please reach out to us, email us on the website, uh, or just receive Christ into your heart and life at the end of this message. But we have a choice as well. If we have received Christ as our Savior, we have a choice. Are we going to be uh, in, you know, totally self-focused in our own uh, 
sphere of uh, our own relationships, or are we going to be focused on what Christ wants? And so uh, trust is not just the key or foundation for love. Trust is established by commitment. So if love is grown and, and love is, is increased by trust, then we have to realize that trust is increased and established by commitment. Verse number tw- uh, 17, 16 and 17 is, is, is the key. God said, I want you to make a commitment because in verse 16 it says, of the tree of the garden, uh, of, of every tree you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God made some boundaries. By the way, in every relationship, it needs boundaries. God gives those boundaries. And if we follow those boundaries, and if we trust each other with those boundaries, God is pleased, and your relationship will go to the next level. And so commitment is the key to building trust. Commitment is the key to building trust. As we wrap up, I want to just give you a practical illustration. Uh, This was the best way I knew how uh, to illustrate uh, the, the trust that God wants to have from us and the commitment that God wants us to have a, as well. Um, there's, there's two different things in this world that can communicate two types of commitment. Uh, first is a paperclip. It's a paperclip. Uh, paperclips uh, come in all shapes and sizes. They're all the same. In fact, there's a paperclip uh, that, that I think I, I might have a picture of um, that's 30 Four hundred dollars. It's diamond studded. It's it's uh, fourteen. Uh, I think it's eighteen karat gold. I mean, look at that. Uh, that's an incredible paperclip. But can I tell you something? That that paperclip does the exact same thing as this one that costs one penny. Does the exact same thing. It holds papers together. Here's the key word. It holds papers together temporarily. It holds papers together temporarily. But can I encourage you with something else? There's a better way. The commitment that God's wanting us to have is not in a paperclip. He's wanting us to have the commitment of a stapler. Now go with me here. Because no matter how nice your paperclip is, it does not match the commitment of a stapler. You see, a stapler puts a staple into a piece of paper or a group of papers, and it is permanent. It is not just permanent. It binds itself in a way that is all in. See, a paperclip is on the outside. It's just surface, but a staple is all in. It is 100% committed. You see, a lot of people say, well, but my staples, my staples are small. Um, they're, they're, they're not very large. They're, uh, th- they're not very sturdy. And let me just tell you something. If your commitment to Christ and, and God's way of doing things it is not very sturdy, let me just ask you to start with little commitments and, and, and just start committing, being all in in the ways that you can, not worrying about the ways where you can't. Let me tell you, there are all different types of staples. There's little staples. There's big staples. Um, there's industrial staples. I, I think we have a picture of some different types of staples. There are, there are staples that are, are, you know, little ones for paper. There are big staples. Um, there are staples that can even hold your body together. I hope you don't ever need those. But there are all types of staples. They all do the same thing. They all fully commit to holding something together. Let me encourage you. Stop playing it safe on your own. Trust God with the outcome. And here's the takeaway from today's message, and that is the health of our relationships will always be determined by the degree of our trust. 
the more we trust, the more our relationships will grow and become more and more robust. God is wanting our trust. God is wanting us to have the commitment to love him. By the way, God is wanting all of us to commit ourselves to the body of Christ. We are not meeting together in a corporate location. We are doing what the first century church did. We are meeting from house to house. Let me encourage you to be committed to your church family during this time. This is not a time for less commitment. This is a time for more commitment. And your relationships with your church family can go to deeper, greater lengths, to a greater degree, if you will decide this is not a time for me to back off my relationships, to to distance myself from relationships, this is my time to engage in my relationships with your small group, uh, with, with your Bible meditation groups. Let me encourage you to engage in your relationships, to trust someone enough to share something with them, to trust someone enough to share some, uh, some part of your life maybe you never shared. Let me encourage you to trust God enough to share your fears with him. And so let's share our fears with God. Let's trust him and God will give us a better relationship, a closer relationship with him. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.